Good morning. God has been and continues to be extravagantly good. Do you agree with that? I'm so glad that you are here today. I am glad that I am here today. I, I grew up around some people who we say old people. Um, there is a, a saying that when there was a setting similar to this, that the person would stand up to give their testimony. And they say, I thank God for this space right here, right now. But I'm delighted to see you. Did you hear the latest news? That... Um, and especially so, that's why I'm saying that I'm delighted to see you today. Because you know that there is someone who did not want you to be here today. But because of God's grace and his mercy, you and I are here today. That's why I am so delighted to see you today. I have been previously warned, that's why I looked at my watch because even though some people think I have long legs, I am short-winded, I am underweight and over six feet. <laughs> so they asked me this morning whether or not I have a watch, and I, they checked. It seemed at that time it was working. They promised to loan me a watch. I would have told you that it was Jerome Pinder, but if I did, you might know who it is that told me. So I'm going to keep that a secret. Can you remember what you got for Christmas last year? And uh, whatever it is that you got, was it something or someone that you really wanted? Think about it. If you didn't get that particular gift that you wanted last year, would you would have still been here today if you didn't get that gift last year? Would you still be alive today? Don't answer out loud. I think for this year, since the early part of November, most of us have been bombarded with the enticing suggestions for gifts for Christmas. Whether the gift was for ourselves, some people buy gifts for themselves, right? Yeah, and wrap it, put it under the tree. Sometimes you may have bought gifts for someone else, some loved one, and... Um, and in some strange cases and times, you might even buy a gift for someone you didn't really love, but you wanted to impress them anyhow, or you felt in some way obligated to do so, and so you bought them a gift. Whatever might have been the reason, or if the motive was simply this just for enticement, whatever it was, the enticement was real. These different forms of enticements are accompanied nowadays by the 
nostalgic Christmas music in the malls. Have you ever driven by and you hear the music, you almost could feel it in the air. For all the business places, you ever turn on the television and there's nothing to do with Christmas? On your radios, advertisements invade our homes with their irresistible voices and the gorgeous, full-colored, real or imagined animated pictures of nearly every creature comfort imaginable, even offering suggestions that you have hitherto, maybe I've never even thought of that. That's a great idea. I wish I had some money to buy that. So they're very convincing. All of this, they claim, are to buy the ideal Christmas gift. As Christians, we welcome every useful Christmas gift that our Father, our Heavenly Father, allows to come into the lives of his children to enjoy. But also as his children, we must also pray and determine to put every gift from heaven in its proper and true perspective. The question is, what is it today? What is it that you really want for this Christmas? What is it that you really really, really want for this Christmas? Is it clothing? Is it membership to one of the fitness facilities? Is it food? Plenty food. Let's qualify that. Is it a new house? Is it a new set of wheels? Whether that's a wheelchair <laughs> or all the way up to a dump truck. Or is it an improved relationship with family or friends or associates? Maybe it's an educational opportunity. What is it that you really, really want for this Christmas? Maybe, maybe it's just simply a lot of opportunity to party in the backyard, front yard, anybody else's yard. You just want to go party. Maybe for some of you it's just you talking, but I need a job. And so maybe for you, you are praying for this Christmas that you get a job. Somebody else may be thinking, I want none of them. Just give me the money. Yeah, they say, if I get the money, I can take care of all of the things you've just said a while ago. Maybe for this Christmas you want peace. Just that, peace. Maybe for others it's security. You want a sense, a real sense of security. For others among us, we might be desiring for this Christmas, what we really, really want is good health. Good health. For others, it may simply be, I just want hope. 
Give me a reason to live. What can I look forward to? That's what I really, really want for this Christmas. Since it was some shepherds that were the first to receive the good news that the first Christmas gift was here, I thought that it might be instructive for us to listen to what a shepherd had to say about what he desired most of all. And so I invite you, my brothers and sisters, to the book of Psalms, chapter 27. Psalms chapter 27. You will find it on page 734 and over on to 700 and page 35. Psalm chapter 27, verses 1 through 6. Well, stop maybe based on that earlier threat. Um, let's stop maybe at 5. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom Shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumble and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in thee will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Verse 5. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Let's pause, stop here for the moment. What is it that you really, really want for this Christmas? Let's look again at this particular psalm. It starts off by saying, the Lord is my light. The Lord. Who is this Lord? The Lord. This is, I propose to you today, this is the creator of the universe. This is the creator of all humanity. This is the self existent one. This is the omnipotent one. This is the eternal and absolute representation of truth. That's the Lord. And what it says next is, the Lord is. That means that he is ever-present. He was yesterday, and tomorrow he's already there. 
That's the Lord. The Lord is. And so I can assure you, my brothers and sisters, that he is here today. The next word is the Lord is my. I like my. Some of y'all, you remember when people used to cook this as when it's full time? About, I don't care about nobody else and me and my. Oh, you're all too young for that. My here is very personal. He is mine. Intentionally, exclusively personal. A conscious declaration of ownership. The Lord is my light. My light. That's good. I think most of the time when we read scripture generally, I think we are going too fast. Slow down. Listen to what it says, even in these opening verses. The Lord, think about who that is. The Lord is my light. B-E-C, Duracell, ever ready, energizer. Can't cut this one. The Lord is my light. Light suggests illumination, understanding. The Lord brings understanding, illumination. Also, the Lord brings, light brings joy, brings life itself. The Lord is my light and my salvation. That's good to know. I don't want to be naive, but the possibility exists that there are some persons who are here today Who cannot say that? The Lord is my light and my salvation. May I make a suggestion for you to, if you haven't thought about it yet, to maybe change your desire for a Christmas gift and that you make him your priority, the gift that you really, really want for this Christmas, so that the end of our time together today that you can say, I already got, I got a, pre-Christmas gift, I got the gift, and that is the Lord himself. And then you can say without fear of successful contradiction that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Have you ever been in a place or in a circumstance from which you needed to be delivered? That's not a rhetorical question. Think about it. Have you ever been someplace in a circumstance where you thought, I need to get out of here. I need out. You needed to be delivered. Oh, I'm sure there are those who are here right now, if you're given the opportunity to testify, they can tell of the delivering power of God in their lives to take them from some difficult circumstance or situation, and they will be prompt to give God thanks for it. You see, the Jews, during the time of the first Advent or the first coming of the gift. The Jews, because of their and where they were politically, expected a political savior during the first advent. But rather than, well, here's what it is. Their greatest need was not politics. So God did not send them a politician. Their greatest need was forgiveness of sin. And therefore God sent them a savior. I like that. You, we, we have a thirsty, 
and somebody offered you some dry crackers? Isn't that, isn't that generous of them? You would say, what you're trying to do is kill me, eh? You know, because you're already thirsty and they're giving you something dry. You ever swallow fish bone? How do you get rid of it? Well, on Andres, different people do different things. You ever had to eat a piece of dry bread, they say? Just, some, some people know that. Some of y'all want Coke. You know, you swallow a bone, you eat the dry bread so they can, and don't chew it up too small. You know, you try to swallow it as big as you can. So as it goes down, you can dry it, you know, and maybe carry that bone south, you know. God knew what we needed, what mankind needed. He needed forgiveness of sin. Therefore, he sent us a savior, one who delivers and sets us free. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Now, with that background of what we've just said, now tell me, if you have him as your light and your salvation, whom should you be afraid? Or who should you be afraid of? Name him. Let, let me know. Tell me, whom shall I fear? If the Lord is your light and your salvation, whom shall you fear? The Lord is the strength. Strength? I like that. The Lord is the strength. He is your anchor. He is your stronghold, your defense, your citadel, your fortification. He is your fortress. That sounds so secure. I like that, though, because there are those who need a sense of security. I can tell you where to find it. You can find it in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can find it in the Lord. You can find it in this shepherd's Lord. The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, do you know that you have foes? Some you know and some you don't know. Unfortunately, as the incredible body of Christ, you might have foes right here today. And you don't even know they are your foes. Maybe they're sharing the pew with you. That's too close for comfort. Well, maybe the pew behind you or in front of you. The reality is that there are those who, for various reasons, might have positioned themselves consciously to see you as a foe and an enemy. Obviously, the enemy will take advantage of that, and it does not represent the body of Christ at all in a positive light. But when the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fell like dangy mosquitoes. I I thought when I read this, do you remember the incident when Jesus was in the garden and that troop came in to ambush him? You know, and just as they were about to to lay hands on him, the, the, the divine glory that was tabernacled in his humanity, like just bust out a little bit, you know, and those people fell backwards. It's like this. That's what came to mind. 
and my the, mine enemies and my foes, they came upon me to eat of my flesh. They stumbled and fell. Wow. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Have you ever been, feel like everybody is against me? Everything I try doesn't seem to meet with the approval of others. And you feel like the world is against me. Nothing is working. Well, some time ago, during the past uh, three months, I had the unpleasant task of um, asking an employee of the Ministry of Education to leave the workplace because the individual use of intoxicating spirits and his proclivity to vocalize profanity uh, was present. Well, when I asked the individual to leave, you know, they said, well, what you ask that for? Well, upon reaching the exit gate, the individual in a very fluid gesture turned and fired two. <clears throat> two words of profanity at me. Had it not been for my speed and my size, I would have got those two words right between the eyes. There are some people who will say things to you that can hurt you, especially if you think um, it was unwarranted and then again when it was unexpected. But nonetheless, I like what the shepherd David here is expressing. I can find comfort in this and security. There is hope. He says, though war should rise up against me. By the way, two Friday, no, it wasn't Friday, Thursday, passed was National Report Card Day. Yeah? And I hope everybody who has a child in school in the government system at least went and collected their child's report card. Otherwise, I see you after dark outside. There was a lady that came in to pick up our child's report card, and it's a good thing I was in school because you're always learning something new. Well, I learned a new word uh, um, on, on, on Thursday. The person was loud, the parent. I, I would have told you the various shades of color on her head, Brother Jerry. It wasn't great. <laughs> yeah. I would have told you. Um, but when I got there and I said, um, excuse me, is there a problem? And I was like, um, yay close for more. She was seated at a desk looking over, I guess, some of the work of her child. And um, I, she was loud. She was talking about, she had an issue with a teacher from another classroom downstairs, but whatever took place down there, she brought it up and she was here unloading all the stuff. And there was a new word I'd never knew. Have you ever heard about junglers before? Well, I, I did. 
you know, I heard about jungle first when I used to watch Tarzan in the jungle, you know. Uh, uh, what, what's that monkey name? I mean, Cheetah? Yeah. And Jane? Yeah. Um, but now they've changed it nowadays. Time changed. You know, now it's junglers, you see. But with this lady, and as I saying, uh, um, is, can I help you? She said, uh, um, just because you think, no, she said, I am, she said it in the emphatic uh, affirmative state, she said, I am a jungler, you know. I, I said, oh, I, but then she, she backed up and she, she clarified that. She says, I am a professional jungler. <laughs> I, I've never heard that, you see. You see. I, I said, I, I told her, I confess on the spot, I, I've never heard that, you know. I, and, I, and I simply, and I think the response in that situation was simply to say, my bad. <laughs> even in the midst, so David tells me, even in the midst of those kind of situations, he says, in thee will I still be confident. I, I, I stood up straight, I, I was confident, I just walked away properly educated on what a professional jungle says, you know. <laughs> They're all around. You might meet them in different ways, you know. Um, and she, she didn't mention at the end that she, the reason why she was professing a jungle because she had a job. Now I know the difference between a jungle, I can edge you, I can learn you. You know, because as I learn, I can learn you too. Okay. Whatever is going on around me, I will still remain confident. But here comes, now this is where I want to get you Think about verse 4 and David's response. He says, one thing, I like that. One thing. There is something indomitable about the one thing kind of individual. They will not be easily deterred from their goal by an individual or by circumstance. This is a one thing kind of a person. It says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. What is it? Don't cheat. Don't look down and hear what else he says. What is it that one thing that you really, really want of the Lord today? What is that? Well, let's take it to the Christmas. What is it that one thing that you really, really want for this Christmas? David says, one thing that I really, really want. Here it is. Have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. Here it is. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty, mm-hmm, the attractiveness, the splendor, the exquisiteness, the magnificent beauty of the Lord. Were you ever in a place when the place just seemed to like seep into you? You were so, you, I like being here, you say. This is nice. Yeah. You know, this is wonderful. You know, wherever, wherever that was. David had this desire that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire. I like the inquire part, 
because he's going to get educated. He wants to inquire. He wants to find answers to life's questions. To be schooled, if you say, if you please, to be schooled by the Lord. How many of you like to be taught by the Lord? Not them other teachers. Yeah, yeah. Now, some of you all, do you know some people don't pay attention in school? I mean, in class? Don't, don't raise your hand. Some of you are guilty because you remember. <laughs> yeah. Some persons don't pay attention even in God's classes. You know, some people are easily distracted. You know what I tell parents sometimes when they are, uh, let's use collecting report cards. I said, now let me tell you a secret. Don't let teachers trick you. Don't let teachers give you no educational jargon to make you sound like you ain't know what. You ever saw a report card, this child is so well behaved. It's such a pleasure to work with him. And it's so helpful. Then you look at the grades, they all E. You know, and F. And I, I'm looking, okay, I, I see that is nice. And then they write at the bottom, please encourage them to do better. What does that mean? For the parent, what do they go with? What do they take away and say when they talk to a child and say, you're so helpful in school, this is nice. You're so well behaved, teacher has no problem with you. But boy, I see ye. I know, now this you say, ye shall do well. <laughs> he said, he said, but you can ye. Ye and ye is different. You know, be more specific. Tell them specifically what it is. So, that the parent, if they can, can help even in a sensible or meaningful way. Watch out for them. All right, let's, let's sit down and let's diagnose what it is that you say to the child. I like to be in school with the God so that he is teaching me, so that I can also commune with the Lord. Do you know who your favorite teacher is? Can you remember who it was? Do you, tell the truth. You know, there are some teachers that you wish you could have, yeah, you Get out of the class, right? You didn't have to. Go. Some of you would have left school if that was the only teacher. Some of you did leave school, come to think about it, you know, because of a teacher, you know, and you forgot that you went in to get something else. But because you met maybe this negative teacher, but somehow you all say, my spirit and their spirit, which the twin shall never meet. We don't, we don't get along. And so you decide, I ain't going to school. That's unfortunate. But you could remember those other teachers at least one, that you find to be your favorite teacher. Sylvia Price, uh, one of our devoted members here, her sister was my favorite teacher. Her name was Alma Perry. Alma Perry was my favorite teacher. I don't remember anything Alma Perry taught me. And I shame to tell you. But there was something about Alma Perry when I was in her class that made me felt like I was noticed. That's why I used to break off all of my mummy hibiscus flower of the tree and carry it to school for Miss Perry. Now, you know, we don't say the full Mrs. That takes too long to say Miss Perry, whether she's married or not. And she was married to a pastor. So Miss Perry, for me, was my favorite teacher. And you know what I discovered? It had nothing to do with whether she taught language, math, or social studies. Those things were not important. 
she made me felt important in the class. And while I was in that stage, she could have caused me to do anything. She even made this boy, and you could tell I lose weight since then, but um, I, I was asked, like, to, if somebody misbehaved, I was supposed to tell. And you can imagine, most people in my class was bigger than me. I may have been taller, though. Take that. Yeah. But, but, but I had to report. And then this boy named Charles misbehaved. And something, and it was break time, and I was supposed to go and tell Charles. As a matter of fact, go and bring him to me. Like that. Bring him? Charles was big. Big, Brother Jerry. I'm trying to look for somebody in the audience. Big, but these people in here are so small. You know. But big. And, and, and suppose Charles don't want to come. How do I get Charles from there to the teaching? Well, I was coming in the authority of Mrs. Perry. Bring him. I grabbed Charles' hand. They come, boy. You, you break the rule. Teachers, they come. And he didn't want to come. But look here. I know yours, what for, boy? I had no spinach because I didn't like that. Um, I, I tried to pick up Charles. Well, I, I did manage to get one leg off the ground, okay. And, and then, of course, you know, the other kids, there were some other people come around. Just get a, make this instant human ring, because they see some excitement on the ad. Well, I got Charles, and I was dragging that one leg. If I can carry one leg, I believe the rest will follow. But I was moving with that. Of course, Charles was resisting arrest. And so, obviously, uh, uh, we didn't make much progress. We fell, and the teacher, of course, the commotion came out and rescued me from Charles. <laughs> but I turned him over promptly to the teacher and said, take that. Next, you know, I'm bruised. Teachers have that kind of power, but I like to be in a setting like that. What about you in terms of God giving you instructions? Do you carry it out? Or do you find an excuse? Is it too hard? Or would you say, I'll do it, but not today, maybe tomorrow? Maybe next week. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's in his place of worship, in the sanctuary, in a holy place. Verse 5. For in the time of trouble, my brothers and sisters, these are troubling times, isn't it? These are troubling times, and if you have not experienced any trouble, wait till this service is over. Because <laughs> it's a coming, baby. <laughs> yes, sir. If you live long enough, you will experience some form of trouble. Trouble will come. But he shall hide me. I like that. To, he shall hide me. That means trouble won't find me. You ever played hide and seek? Yeah, I used to play hide and seek with my sisters. I'd hide. Up, I used to go up in the window. Yeah, and if I go in the window and I turn sideways, you'll never see me. Yeah, that's it. Because you pull the curtain, they look on the ground. I ain't there. How could he fit in the window? Ask for Oscar. He'll tell you. Yeah, stand there and I turn so. You'll never see me in there. Hide and seek. But when God hides me. From trouble as they come. I like that. He will hide me in his pavilion, in his tent, in his port, in his gazebo, if you please. 
in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up. I like that. You ever been set up? Yeah. <laughs> you've been set up and you didn't want to be set up. And you've been rowing, your mouth been long, you're upset. You've been changing color. Um, some of y'all could change better than others. <laughs> I mean, I can know when you change, but when I change, you you know. All right. But to be set up by God. I like the song of that. To be set up upon a rock. Who is the rock? I like that. You know, I like the fact that God set you up. But sometimes you must understand who is setting you up. Know that it is he that has your best interest. To be set up by God. That is to be placed on a sure foundation. Solid ground, if you please. The shepherd... This shepherd provides us with protection and teaches us about God's guidance and God's security to commune with God. This is wonderful. Let me conclude by asking you to just reflect on this very popular Psalm 23. It is worldwide in its popularity, but let me hasten to say that all of those persons who can quote this from memory, it does not apply to them. But they say it nonetheless. Because it starts up by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. First line, if the Lord is not your shepherd, that doesn't apply. Only those who actually receive the good shepherd by faith alone are his sheep. His saving work is sufficient for all. But it is effective only for those who actually believe in him. Everything hinges on that pronoun, my. Unless he is my shepherd, the remainder of the psalm does not apply. The sting of death is sin. Unconfessed, unforgiven sin. Christ, the child that came during that first Christmas, has taken the sting of death. And until you have taken him as your shepherd, You cannot confidently answer the question, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? But if you have received him as your Lord, as your shepherd, you can say with exuberance, thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through the Lord or Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Because he is my provider. He is my Jehovah Jireh. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. It's important for sheep to go near still waters. They don't want any rapid moving waters. It scares them. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He is my peace. He is indeed my Jehovah Shalom. He leadeth me, by the way, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. He is my righteousness. He is my Jehovah Sidkenu. For his name's sake, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. I like this. Thou art with me, ever present. He's present. He is my Jehovah Shama. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You have to visualize and understand the context. Eastern cultures, the guest was treated differently. When we say to someone who comes to our house, welcome, make yourself feel at home, they don't mean that last part. Here. There, it means something. When you come into the guest, as a guest in the house, they did everything to make sure that you were comfortable, that you were safe. Do you remember in scripture, you talk about the city of refuge, you can commit a crime and you can go to this city, and as long as you're there, the enemy can't touch you. When you come to a guest house, do you remember the story of, about this man who uh, lived, whose uncle was very popular, but he went to this place, I'm not going to tell you, Sodom and Gomorrah, and he lived there with his family. And then the angels came, and they, the evening sun was setting, and they went in as guests. And the man came out, and before they will let the guests come out, because some people, the men in the neighborhood saw that there was some new man in town, and they thought, send them out so we can have some party with them. And it, uh, the guest says, no, can't do that. How can you do this ungodly thing? Why don't you go back home? And they won't leave. They didn't leave. They insisted. This man decided, because this, he had guests in his house, he decided that before he sent his guests out, he would, was prepared to send his daughters out to these men. That's some serious perspective on your guests. And here we have, this, this psalm talks about Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The enemies can only look in while he sets a banquet for you. And they have to stay outside. That's cool. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. Oil has so many symbolism. For the shepherd... Yes, he would anoint the head of the sheep. The sheep may have had scratches and bruises on the head, so he anoints the head so that it soothes and heals the head of the sheep. For the priest, it was a sign of consecration. For the king, it was a sign of your coronation. He is my Jehovah Rapha. He is my healer. My cup runneth over. God has been extravagantly good to us. So much blessings he has given to us so that it overflows. Share the blessing with others. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I like that. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. In Junkanoo, they have a lead piece, I think they call it, banner. But if God is his mercy, 
is following me in his goodness, or I'm going to follow under his banner. So he is my Jehovah Nisi. He is the banner under which I walk, I live. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is the one thing that you want for Christmas? What is that one thing that you really want for Christmas? May I suggest to you that that one thing, if it has not yet been Jesus Christ, that you make it today Jesus Christ. Because you will never know that Jesus Christ, who is indeed the good shepherd, the one who died for you, he is indeed not only the good shepherd, but he is the great shepherd, the one who will equip you, but he is also the chief shepherd, the one who will soon return from glory. He is all you need, but you'll never know that he is all you need until he's all you have. And when he's all you have, then you will really know that he was all you really needed. Pray with me, please. Our Father, we might have searched everywhere. Indeed, a popular recent song says it in another way. Lord, we might have searched all over. I couldn't find nobody that was greater than you. I looked high and we have looked low. I still couldn't find anyone that was greater than you. But we thank you that you found us. And we want to respond to you if there are those who are here today who have not yet responded to the explicit overture of love for us. Jesus Christ himself. And so, Lord, we unreservedly and we emphatically declare today that there is really no one, no one greater than you. And we want you to be the center of this season, the center of our lives, to be the gift that you sent, Father, to us. And so we, with great anticipation and also commitment, promise that from this day forward, we will live out the expression of that gift all the days of our life as we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And all of God's children says, Amen.